0: Welcome to the Latest Pink Podcast in the Pink Elephant Podcast Series, dedicated to leading the way in IT management best practices. Welcome to the Key to Transitioning from Product to Production with Gary Case. So, when we talk about transitioning, it's really, it's about release management. It's like releasing any kind of a system application or piece of hardware into the environment. You have to go through a lot of the things. You have to do requirement gatherings. You're going to have to go through and do the Uh, release build, you're going to have to do the release test, you're going to have to go through and do release acceptance, you're going to have to properly communicate and train. Look at your release management activities called out in the ITIL book and guess what? This is exactly what you need to be doing in the post implementation environment. It's like releasing anything. You have to have all that done to do it the first time but it's every time you do something else after that. So even a release acceptance, it's not only to the business community. Now you have to have set up a release acceptance internally that I call your process cab. Okay? Now this may be your governance group, but you not, probably aren't going to run your process documentation changes, maybe through the normal cab, because what you want your process cab to do, and that's my term, you don't find that in any ITIL book, but you want your process cab or your governance committee that's out there. To look at the integration issues, because if I'm making a change in change management, you know, what does that do to incident management, or availability management, or security management, or whatever? So you need to have this integration focus as you start rolling out, because I may make a change in one process, but that could impact the other processes. Because if you uh, if you are not looking at integrating immediately. When you're even in the design stage, you're making a huge mistake. There's some basic default integration things you have to address. But as you start maturing, you'll find that there's going to be additional things that you're going to look to integrate. And oftentimes this is now a tool that's going to have to help support that integration uh, practices. The other thing that we always want to talk about that we don't think about is during the uh, development stages, we are developing all of our management information frameworks around uh, scorecards looking at uh, whether it's an IT scorecard, a balance scorecard, your critical success factors, uh, key performance indicators, and then your activity metrics. Well that needs to continue to mature. Someone has to be responsible for that. But around continuous improvement, it is not about just producing reports. After you have gone into production environment, you better not only be producing the reports, you better have someone capable of doing analysis and trending and positioning that so someone whether that is your process owners, it's going to be maybe a process sponsor, it's going to be your steering committee, it's going to maybe be your, uh, your governance group or whoever or even IT managers, line managers. What you need to get to is that after you start producing reports and doing all this trending and analysis around it, you should be in a position to make strategic, tactical, or operational decisions against that. And so much what we find is people put a new process into production and all they do is start putting out reams of paper called metrics, you know. And remember your metrics, you're going to have multiple types of metrics with multiple types of uh, uh, customers at, uh, out there for the metrics. And you have to continue to manage that. In today's world, I talked about the CSFs, KPIs and activity metrics but, and all that has to roll up into your scorecard, whatever you call that from a balanced approach. But you also are going to have technology metrics, you know, how do we measure things on a component base, you know, com- uh, at a technology level. You're going to have process metrics which you need to continue and that's where you have your KPIs and CSFs around processes. And how do we look at that? And then also you're going to have your service metrics, that's that end to end. And this is more of a focus on a service and it's not a focus on a process. But remember, processes are there to enable a service. So you have to look at all of these metrics, and you have to have people in your production or operational environment who are responsible for uh, it could be the collecting, the analysis, the uh, presenting, the you know, all of these kind of activities that you're going to run into. But continuously, you also have to be talking about, are we collecting the right stuff? You know because so often we collect everything and we find out that a lot of it's not used. So when you're first starting off, my recommendation is always don't try to collect everything. Have a very balanced approach around the process of CSF's KPIs, one to two that can hit for every uh, CSF uh, that you have out there. So you have a balanced approach and limit your activity metrics, okay? As you mature into production, you're gonna add to it. So when you look at it, everything else, you know, you have the, uh, your project teams and everyone else is moved, okay? They've closed down, they're on new projects maybe. However, you may find that a lot of the people who were on your core design team now have inherited a role, a process role, so they may actually be in a position of doing things in the production environment. And that's going to change within every organization, but you may have people who carry on something that they did during the development side. Process owner, it's a key resource, they're still there, we haven't lost them, you know, uh, but they cannot be accountable for everything. They're they're there, they play a very, very important position uh, because they ultimately, as the process owner, they own that process during the development, during the implementation, and also for continuous improvement. So they're an important role, but it's not the only thing we need to look at. Strategies, you have to have a, uh, a strategy around this. In other words, you don't let it just go to, uh, it'll happen. You have to have a strategic plan in place of how are we gonna transition all of these activities that we just talked about that are handled in a program or in a project, we've already got the assigned resources, how do we have that transition take place? And you need to really have a plan around that, starting identifying who is going to be doing what. And uh, I always talk about development of that should really be a joint effort out there that you're going to have a part of that from an operations group and also the program group, whoever that may be and part of the first things you're going to do is set up a transition team, okay? Because you're going to want to have a team made up of, again, program, project people uh, and the operation side of the house. And part of that would be definitely be the process owner would play a big part of that. You're going to have to start thinking about what does the organizational structure look like in the future? And this is where you're starting to find many organizations now um, getting rid of uh, their basic hierarchical type structure because When you start implementing ITIL, by default, you have become a matrix organization. So this is where you're gonna start seeing new names such as service manager, service delivery manager, and some people are doing this, but I'm more consistent. Uh, Service owner, you're gonna find a lot of these new names, uh, titles and roles that are coming out, and they're actually being positioned in V3, I can tell you that, just simply because these are roles that have to be there in the production or operational environment to take on some of these levels of authority uh, to ensure that things are getting done that we have talked about. It's really when we're moving things over, it's uh, it's moving it uh, out of the responsibility of program directing and guiding into the operations group there. Project manager, uh, you know, you're going to have for process uh, improvement projects. Your project owner uh, or process owner, project manager, all of those people are going to be uh, looking at things. Your team is, you have to select who's the best team members are, okay? But you want to have a cross representation plus I would recommend you have a senior manager on that transition team so that they can just see what's going to happen because there's going to be a huge impact. Hopefully by this time you've already had a lot of discussions with senior management and line managers that they are going to have to make sure roles are filled, that they're going to have to identify resources and this may even create a new position in an organization. The time to start having that discussion about creating a new position is not the day before you roll out your process. Okay, Because once you roll it out, typically what I talk about is if I'm transitioning, I will transition 60 days after I have rolled out the process. Okay, So I want the program to still manage a 60-day window and it could be 90 days, it's up to you, but I want the program to manage that 60-day window, the continuous improvement, the little bumps that we find in the, uh, the sand there. The question you have to ask yourself, especially if you're in a phased approach, you know, you could have rolling out change management over a period of three to five months, depending on what you have. So do you do 60 days after the first rollout, 60 days after the last rollout, that's your decision. But allow from the rollout at least the program to manage a part of that time period before it goes over into truly production. Now there's going to be some exceptions here I'll talk about. The, the question is the uh, pros and cons about transitioning at the uh, 60 days after the first rollout versus the last rollout. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about it now. I don't have a slide that addresses that. Um, the, the risk is the way I see it is that the program now inherits uh, responsibility for something for a longer period of time and the program is usually responsible for now kicking off another project. Okay, so now I have a resource issue or conflict there. Plus the sooner I get ownership to be accepted, I think is better uh, than to wait for a period of time. So I prefer to do it sooner than later. And it may be that I don't do it after 60, maybe it's 90 or 120 versus you know, longer period of time. But I like to do it sooner for those two reasons. It's one, I create a conflict res- uh, resource issue because I have more projects usually kicking off. Um, and plus I wanna get ownership out of the program and where it truly belongs. That's my belief. So that's what I've done in the past. Are are the people involved in service management the exact same people that was involved in the project? In a smaller organization, you may have the same people. Yeah, you're still in service management. You still have that ownership. But think in terms of it. You have a project, right? And a project has a start date and it has a what? Has an end date. Okay. So that's a project. That gets measured against many different types of things. When you close your project, now you're in service management, you said, service manager uh, area, that's totally different. It may be the same resources, but think about ownership, think about what you're being held accountable and responsible and reporting against. Because projects have start dates, end dates, they don't have start dates, okay? They have that end date if you do project management right. Okay, and some don't, I'll be honest, some have start dates and that's it. You know, they just continue to go. They get funded all the time. I don't know how this happens. It's a great thing for some people, but you know, hey, they go, they move on. Yeah, with your project end date, uh, uh, you know, again, you're going to have it may be the same resources, but again, the responsibilities are different because now I'm reporting to a project manager. I'm reporting to a, uh, around a project schedule plan, work breakdown structure, I have milestones. I'm in production now. Okay. But that doesn't mean, now I can implement, let's take your example, I can implement change management across two business functions as a part of the program and project and stop it, okay? That means the program and project is no longer being held accountable for that, I'm not being measured against that, it's the service manager roles. Now I put a different hat on is I'm not a project role now, I'm a service manager and I'm gonna continue to implement that change management process against the next few business units that I have to roll it out to, okay? doesn't mean you stop and it doesn't mean the program, the project has to be responsible for rolling out to the entire IT organization. This is your scope. Go back to your very beginning, this is your project charter. You should be thinking about three scope issues in your project charter. It's going to be the process scope, which is what process and what parts of the process, believe it or not, are you going to have as part of your program and project. Tool scope, what's your tool that you're looking at and then you have your organizational scope. What part of the organization are you gonna roll out your processes too as a part of the program and project that you're measured against. That doesn't mean you don't roll it out to all of IT, but it's now the process owner and the governance body that's responsible for moving that, okay? Okay. The question is do I see dual roles of somebody because the program is going to be a long period of time and is there dual roles possibly that they have a project hat on and a uh, operations production hat on and the answer is yes, okay? but again, you have to be very careful about what they're being measured against, okay? Now you have to do the planning, the scheduling, the time allocation because they're getting, now they got two bosses, you think about it. They got your project management, then they got, hey, this is the real world, production. Yeah, and so there's two types of resource. We talked about one is just a project, but you have also that conflict of doing project and production, absolutely. So this is why you have to have a strategy and a plan. You have to think of this through because you have to get buy-in, okay? And then you have to ensure that you have the right level of training for these roles as you do roll them out also, but they're gonna have their own conflict issues that they have to deal with. So you have to think about your steering committee, governance committee, uh, compliance groups. I mean, these are all things you have to think about. Who owns us in the production environment? And if you're gonna go back and say, well, the process owner is, don't, okay? Process owner is only one person. You need to have much more for that, especially around governance and compliance. Thank you for listening to this week's Pink Podcast. Please join us next week for a new podcast session.